never heard anyone say this. That was a really productive faculty meeting. I've never heard anyone say this. We got a lot done. Yeah, it's like someone saying- Let's do this again next week. It's like someone saying that rhinoceros is safe to ride. It's it's just not. It's a fucking rhino. It's just going to toss you off its back and then stomp on you. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. James, welcome back from your trip to Australia. How is Amos in Melbourne? Welcome back. Welcoming me back. Welcoming me back from a country you used to live in to a country you'll never live in. Am I just being irrationally obstreperous in the first 30 seconds of the podcast? I, I, I think you are. I think you are. I'm working on a. I'm working on a Saturday, man. I'm sorry. Um, what did you ask? Amos, you met an Australian member of Parliament. What? what oh, <laughs> how yes. Was that? Um, exactly the same as meeting any other member of Parliament. Um, they they smile so hard and so often. I don't think they have central nervous systems. Seemed like a nice um, bloke, though. Oh, well, he, uh, it's rare that you meet a member of parliament who's actually written a book on evidence-based policy. Um, he's an economist he, by he, background, is that, I think is that right? He was an, uh, yeah, I think he was an economics professor before he was an MP. Yeah. Um, so, that's an unusual route. Usually, people start off as um, lawyers or party apparatchiks and then move into being kind of part-time demons. Um and then go from there into some kind of junior facilitative role that's necessary in Australian Parliament, uh, torturing foreigners, essentially being horrible, burning down the mm. rainforests, uh, personally kicking the Great Barrier to Reef to death. This, incidentally, is why Blundstone Boots sell so well in Australia. Um, not a lot of people know that, actually. Yeah. Well, that's, an truth, interesting fact right? of, uh, that's an interesting right. fact of Australian market economics. So boot yeah. sales is because everyone's kicking the environment to death. And then eventually they go into parliament. But this guy was an economics professor, which is unusual. Yeah, he was a big he was a big fan of mice. Um, that's great. I had a very, I had a very funny moment when he, he answered a question about him. Um, he answered a question about um it's something to do with uh, like, okay, well, you know, how do we tell the world about uh, what we believe when it comes to sort of, it was a psychom based question. And he said, you know what's funny? This just says in mice account. No. I must admit I wasn't fully paying attention. But when I realized what he said, I did my outside laugh that I hardly ever do inside. <laughs> I occasionally do it on the podcast. People have told me that I, I do it here. But he did that without knowing I was there and in front of me. So I had to I had to claim it. Um, and he thought that was very funny and then wanted a funny photo for the internet. Which we posted but, you know, to the- as, um- as, Yeah, as far as politicians go, um, it seemed like a quite a sincere man. Um, and someone someone asked him to do something, and he goes, "Well, vote us in a government, and we'll try it." Which is a great answer for an opposition. That 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 endeared me a great deal. <laughs> it's not not so like, "Oh, would you like an empty promise?" It's more, "Well, you elect us, and we'll see what we can we'll do." See, we'll see what we can I do. Mean, that's <laughs> I like. Yeah, that. that's that that. It's much more honest than um. Oh, I fully support all of your aims in bloody blah. It was more, you know, 
Well, you do your bit and then we'll talk. <laughs> now, speaking of uh, speaking of mice, you won a special commendation from uh, a yep. recent, recent award a few days ago. Can you t- quickly tell us about that? Oh, Jesus. Is it, is all just, can we do a topic and not start to keep? Oh, fine. Quick, 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 quick. It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. uh, An organization called Sense About Science. They have an award for that's for sort of uh, psychom stuff, especially under duress thingies. Um, I don't remember being nominated, although someone obviously nominated me. I certainly didn't nominate myself. They had 200 and something nominations. There were a handful of commendations, and the people who won were total gangsters, and I'm very glad I, I didn't win. Yeah, it, it sounds like a great story. Spot. One yeah. of them was a professor in Indonesia. He's like a forestry researcher, and he testifies against forestry companies lighting yeah, illegal that, that is fires. Baller. That's ballsy, to, um, ballsy. To, yeah, so, you know, they took him to court, a, um, a, what's called a strategic lawsuit against public participation and sued him for a million billion dollars for telling the truth. Um, they gave him the money. He looks kind of dope in a suit, and I was super impressed with that guy in particular. There's awesome. another fella from Canada who who was you know, getting in, getting into wars with naturopaths, which is about as easy to start as putting on a hat. But obviously, wow. he just kept doing it. So, but this the Indonesian dude whose middle name was Hero. Incidentally, How good's that? We'll, we'll, I, I saw we'll, that. We'll link that was to great. It. So, uh, yeah. he gets the proper award and the money and the plane flight and the rest of that, and I get a certificate. But I'm very happy with my certificate. It's nice to get stuff like that. I just don't put a great deal of stock in it, I suppose. Good stuff. Now, I, um, I, I recently met some, uh, met some German Hertzies, James, and um, they- <laughs> German Hertzies? German Hertzies. Can I-, can I uh, Let me- are they, were, they, uh, were they taller than you? Uh, <laughs> some of them were. They're quite- They're, they're, they're oh, a tall good, people. Good, good. Do, um, do yes, they, I mean, do I mean, they wear do they wear shirts that look like tablecloths? Do they wear uh, a tablecloth shirt? They they they, they didn't. Maybe that's regional. No, they didn't. Um, but, but apparently, oh, uh, fake apparently, Germans. apparently, our um, our uh, where where is Ocker as Steve Irwin, James? I, I was told that our, our well, accents are incredibly Ocker, which is a bit of a surprise. But maybe we are. I, I think I do a bit of code switching with Australian. Um, yeah, I think I do too. It, I, I, it definitely changes. If I have to talk to people who aren't Australian, and this goes for the US, but especially goes for speaking neutral English in Europe, I become yeah. a lot less Australian. Yeah, same. Um, and it changes with work context and how tired I am and how much I've had to drink. It's actually a, a lot of people with professional jobs who have Australian accents. It's a total movable feast. So I have no idea how I sound a lot of the time. Mm. I, I, I don't know how Australian I'm being at any given moment. So I'm yeah. glad that makes them happy. Yeah, you're going to drop their names, or is just you're just happy that the fact that there's at least a small amount of this, German people who don't no, want this, you dead. This was um, Sandra and uh, Cornelia who organised the um, the Doing Good Symposium, which um, which I spoke at a few days ago, and it was that incredible. sounds really Australian. Doing, doing good. good, doing good, mate, doing good. Uh, it, it was a fantastic symposium um, about uh, about uh, open science practices with some with some really great um, really great workshops, um, and uh, they 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 did it. And a they invited job. you. 
I know. Do they need a doorstop or something? Yeah, that, that, that was the only limitation of the entire thing. Um, but uh, it, it was uh, it, it was a great time, and uh, yeah, met um, met uh, fellow podcaster uh, Sophia from Reproducibility as well, um, who, who met you in, in Amos a few weeks yeah. ago too. So it's all she told it's me all... a story that was so horrible. I'm trying to forget it. We'll have to remember to ask her about it. Well, right. we have we have we have to move on then. But before we do, I, I do want to give one well, we special don't have shout to. out. We're going to because we're, we're going to do something to. useful. But before we do that, no, very no one's quickly, that interested in our fucking itineraries, Dan. I want, I want to give a shout out to to, to a special Hertzie, um, Guy Prochillo, who is from the University of Melbourne, and Guy does an amazing job uh, doing summaries of of our episodes. He's done about twenty of them, and we've yet to give him a shout out on the podcast. So we did, we just want to say uh, say thanks, Guy. Uh, we, we we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I met him in Melbourne. Did you? There you go. Well, you just said he was from Melbourne. Right? Yeah. Obviously, he was at Amos. Amosing. Yeah. He would. He would have been Amosing. Yeah. yeah he he's got much guy. better hair than me. he's got much better hair than me. Wow. I mean, that's that's not hard. It's just the first <laughs> thing that I notice. Anyone who's got really good hair, you, I always go, "Wow, look at that! How did you do that? How'd you how'd you manage that? Yeah. Well, so if I did that, it'd be it'd do twenty seconds or something, and I'd be hit by a tidal wave or or, or leaves or a squirrel would shit on me or something. I'm just very impressed with people who have that kind of level of deportment. Um, <laughs> yeah, now, this we, is, of course, irrelevant. But thanks, we, thanks, guy. Thanks, it guy. It was nice to meet you. We um, we've, we've got a, a special topic today, and uh, James, you're the one who suggested this, so I'll get you to uh, to kick this one off. Well, yeah, um, Nature do a survey of PhD students uh, every year. It's turning into a thing. This is the fifth or sixth or something. Um, Every single year they do it. Every single year they get a bunch of responses. They've got a ticky box bit business. They've got an open sort of open response business. And the thing that I like about it best of all is it's quite global. Um, often we have figures on what it's like to be in any given scientific position. And those figures are very often Uncle Sam centric. Yep. Sometimes they're European-centric. The Australian ones are really Australian-centric, and there's vagaries about the graduate student process that mean that it's its own context, I suppose. When mm-hmm. I explain how Australian PhDs work to people in the US, they, they're a combination of fascinated, <laughs> horrified, and jealous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly it's all just – it's all different. It's yeah. all different, like right down to the ground. So – this is this is really worth reading because I mean this is uh, it, its own funny little piece of meta research, you know, because they're doing a basically life and work habits of PhD students all over the world, and the best part about it being all over in the world is that forty percent of students are not studying in the country that they're from. Yeah, that so was, you know, um, you, yeah. you get you get thirty percent thirty percent of the sample being European. Well, forty percent of the thirty percent are, are not European by definition. So, like, it, it's reflective of the general environment. Like, every fuck is from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, things like this are usually sobering reading, right? Hmm. Um. Don't know. You ready for a few sobering facts, Dan? Yeah. It is, yeah, because I've I've read this article before, but um, here is yeah. Here's what well, I've got a, a little list here, but see, you you can't do magic, Dan, and assume that everyone can read your mind, assuming there's <laughs> anything there to read, of course. Okay, so how many hours a week do you think a PhD student should work, Daniel? Uh, 
anywhere from anywhere from thirty to thirty to forty. Hmm. Okay. Well, that would put you if you said that. that Sh- would put should you should the- or does should or does should. Like, high, what do you think high, would be ideal? High thirties. Okay, that's still putting you in the bottom quartile of work time for most people. Doesn't surprise me. The modal value is forty-one to fifty, and there is. I'd say we have. I don't think they did the figure on this, but I'd say we have just pushing half the sample working f- fifty plus per week. I don't necessarily believe people who say that they work more than 80 hours a week. I've known people who've said things like this and then you find them at work and they're unwilling to go home because it looks bad, but it turns yeah, out they're, that they're, they're, they're at a pair work, of but they're shoes. Not, yeah. yeah. That work, but they're so, not working. I mean, yeah. this, this is, it would, it, it's another, this, this comes up with media research all the time when you're saying, well, screen time is bad. Well, what are you doing with your screen time? If you're Skyping your grandmother, presumably it's different than playing the Fortnite or watching pornography with donkeys. These are all different things. The donkey's not involved, incidentally. It's just some people fancy the aesthetic. So I assume there's one in the corner. Um, entirely uninvolved. It's the problem with modern donkeys. They don't want to get involved. So, I mean, look, donkey porn aside, James, come on, really focus. Um, it's still it's still a lot. I'm not sure how that differs to normal white collary middle classy sorts of jobs in general for the kind of I assume that the right hand side tail for the poor old PhD students is longer. It really depends on the actual um, industry though. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, there's no access to the raw data, so I couldn't I couldn't dig about this. Um, the, the the thing that's the scariest of all um is the, the, the biggest, you know, the, when it comes to the agree-disagree business, I got 49% of people to say yes to this. The culture at my university calls for long hours and sometimes working through the night. Are those face-to-face hours? Yeah. Because that's a lot of people. The, the culture at my university calls for long hours. And also, presumably, a lot of these people feel like they don't have the facility to tell the culture to go and fuck itself and then get things done anyway in an effective manner. Did you? I mean, you probably didn't feel that during your PhD. I mean, we worked a lot, but I spent an awful lot of time working in the backyard and on the couch, and you know. Yeah, I, I still felt pressure to to be at the office between working hours. Yeah, between really? sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, remember, like we 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 shared n- near the end of our PhDs, we sort of diverged a bit. Remember, um, and where well, I was you, for you finished. Yeah, w- w- where I was for sort of the last year. Um, there was a little bit, but 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 here's the big difference. So I was expected to be there during typical work business hours, you know, nine to five, nine to six. That was the kind of thing. Um, uh, it's much better here in Norway. There are no expectations whatsoever. Of, of course, you need to actually fulfil your commitments, but there's no pressure to be in your office for the sake of being in your office. But but the thing is, though, there are a lot of students where that expectation actually extends a lot. And I was having a, a, a few conversations with students when I was actually at this. Um, I mean, I, I don't work in an undergraduate department. I work in a, in a research institute, so I think the culture is a little bit different. But actually, speaking with under, um, speaking with a lot of PhD students from 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 a different institute, it was very very eye opening to hear that that there's cultures of oh, you know, people get it, people sort of stick around, you know, wandering around ten or eleven, but they're there till like seven till eight till nine, and they're not necessarily doing work. 
but uh, but they're, they're just there for the sake of being there, and they're sort of on Facebook a little bit. But still, yeah, seem, I they're, think they're, there's a I think there's a word for this. I think it's called presenteeism. Yeah, yeah, and that I'm seems to be happening. I'm not sure if I've got that right. That's obviously a shit sort of portmanteau concatenation thing, but it does describe a real phenomena that's a waste of everyone's time. It's wasting everyone's time, and I think the the, the places like I, I I'm I'm the first to recognise I'm, I'm incredibly lucky um to to work in a country in a place where there isn't that pressure to do stuff. Of course, you have to get um, work done, but um but not having to be there. But look, coming back to this fact, there's still a there's been a lot of talk recently on Twitter of people who have been doing work to rule protests. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's an Australian term. Where basically huh? work to rule, where on people's contracts it'll say you are contracted to work um, thirty-seven hours a week, thirty-eight, forty hours a week. But the reality okay. is, yeah. But the reality is, most people in research are working far longer than that. Whether they're at work, whether they're at home doing manuscripts, doing whatever. Um, I would say the majority of people are are, are doing lo- long, longer stuff than that. But the funny thing is, universities are starting to complain, and people are actually tallying. Um, that okay, so I'm I'm expected to do this much for for my coursework, for my lecture work. I'm expected. Uh, there, there was a great thread where a, a literary um, adjunct um, said, "Okay, I'm going to time the amount of time that I'm expected to read this book that I'm sp- that I'm supposed to teach students." And he put a post-it note in, and it was about a tenth of the way through the book of what he was actually paid to do. Beyond that was what he wasn't paid to do. So. And, and there's been a lot of discussion about universities just w- would stop functioning overnight if, ac- if people actually worked what they were contracted to pay for. Um, and so we just have this, mm. this, we just have this absolutely this this crazy situation. And I think the the, the internationalization of, of research is is both it's it's blessing and it's curse because there's no way of, if everyone all of a sudden said tomorrow, okay, we're all actually going to work to rule, we're all going to work. 40 hours a week, then this this idea of completely destroying the work-life balance would, would go away overnight. But if one institution said, we're going to do this thing, then they know that every single other institution around them, both within the same country and internationally, is going to kick their ass. So, everyone is just working their asses off. Do you um, really think that? Really think what? That if, uh, if the overwork culture changes then all of a sudden things fall in a hole because shit doesn't get done no no no. stuff will stuff will absolutely get done but competitiveness yeah so the competitive the competitiveness between institutions when when the the person who is there who is writing manuscripts including me who's writing manuscripts late into the night well beyond what they're paid to do um if you're all of a sudden not doing that or if you're all of a sudden not um not, not not testing your participants over the weekend you're, you're not collecting the extra data that you should be doing. If you're not doing that, then of course you're not going to be as competitive as other institutes. Don't don't you agree with that? Competitive? The, I, no, I don't necessarily agree with that at all. Why? Look, there's something. Look, there's lots of things that structurally require a lot of time. Yeah, but there's an awful lot of fiddle faddle and bullshit that doesn't. Okay, so you're saying get some, rid of the fiddle faddle. Ex- well, some experiments, look, I, mean, I told you previously before about uh, like biological experiments that biologists have to do sometimes. So, they go in in the morning, kill a bunch of animals, take a bunch of tissue samples from the animals, they do a bunch yeah. of dissections, culture the things that they need uh, if they're doing stuff from neurons and putting them in dishes and making preparations. And then when it's all working, you have to keep testing on the prepared tissue until it's done. Now, there's literally no way to do that without doing uh, a 10 or 11 hour day minimum sometimes. Yeah. But is that that's, that's just an example. Is that a realistic 
Is that a realistic description of the bloat that fills up everything else? For certain types of research. It's not. It's not. That's quite specific. So, we should be very careful on conflating uh, presenteeism bullshit with the need to do that as well. Yeah, I know. Maybe you could be writing your papers in the middle of the day if there weren't so many fucking forms to fill out. Now, you don't have to go to faculty meetings, and that's a good thing because you talk to people. But if you did, it would be even worse. Right? Mm. But that's most people who are doing research. I mean, professionally as a job. Most people are in that kind of culture of, you know, I've never heard anyone go, that was, a, I've, I've never heard anyone say this. That was a really productive faculty meeting. I've never <laughs> we're gonna, heard we're, anyone We've got a lot done. Yeah, it's like someone let's, let's saying- Let's do this again next week. It, it, it's like someone saying that rhinoceros is safe to ride. It's, it's, it's just happen. not. It's a fucking rhino. It's just going to toss you off its back and then stomp on you. I've but, never heard anyone put those words in order. I, I still don't quite get what you're getting at, though, because my, my argument, I think, still holds that if everyone actually worked, regardless of what type of work it is, whether it's meetings, whether it's collecting data, um, if everyone, if, if one university somehow waved up a magic wand and was able to enforce every single staff member, every single academic is only working 40 hours a week, um, and they did that um, over the course of five years, their, their competitors would be doing a lot more work. Only because their competitors what, are actually producing more things in order. Yeah, more more things in order, more more meetings, which which have to happen whether you like it or not. Um, more 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 research, more public engagement, all this stuff which we're meant to be doing. Um, but but that that's the problem. No university is willing to do that. No, you just no- named a, you've just named a bunch of. Uh, we're not going to resolve this. Look, do you want to know what's at the centre of it? Okay, it's one of okay, these other. Okay. Qu- it's, one, it's one of these other questions. What do you enjoy most about life as a PhD student? You know what dominated every single other category? Intellectual challenge. That's great. Not knowing I have the chance for a permanent academic research post <laughs> or non-science research job or a non-academic research job and social life came in at a 1%. You guys sure know how to party. Intellectual challenge dominated everything. And that's the problem with having people who are intrinsically committed to a task. Mm. That's the problem with having them as a workforce. Yeah. Because you're going to, this is, I mean, I've spent fucking years working into the middle of the night and getting panda circles under my eyes because there's something I couldn't leave alone. Now, most people think that's fucking crazy. No one who's an auditor goes, oh, Jesus Christ, I hope I can get to another spreadsheet this evening. Hit those numbers. Yeah. Oh, so look at that four. Oh, look at that curve on that motherfucker. No, no one's, no one's doing that. That's the thing about having an intellectual life. You have to navigate that in terms of the, in terms of the fact that you go into a marketplace to work for an institution that's run by the same hypercapitalist fucks who run banks and venture capital companies and and privatized uh, privatized public goods that have since been ruined by some cross-eyed blonde-haired nitwit like Richard Branson. Yeah, all of those same people are running your fucking university. Those are the bean counters everywhere. They're multi-billion dollar companies, essentially. Now, what does a multi-billion dollar company do when they have a workforce? It's like, oh, please let us work as much as possible because we're intrinsically motivated. They stay quiet. They're going to do what? anything. They, 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 they stay quiet. They, they, there's no motivation no, for them to act. They're quiet, you fucking nimrod. They make it worse. They put more stuff on. They put more categories up. It's just, you know, you've, it, when, considering you've got this whole labor oversupply business, it's a bind. It's a pyramid. Right? 
And there's there's no there's no successful way. This is the other thing. It was like, oh, and what are you what are you supposed to do for the people who really genuinely want to work a sixty hour week because they're just that interested? And that's a fucking lot of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? What you run around to their house and take the laptop away from? Hey, them? some people, some companies doing that. They're, they're they're switching off their email servers after work hours. I, I don't agree. I, their, they're switching off their email service, but to get to get an academic to the, you, you just know those people have got each other on WhatsApp. Oh, for sure. And look, and look, I don't agree. There, there was there was someone who tweeted something to, to the effect of, "Oh, no one should be emailing after six p.m." And there, 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 there was a bit of a pile on because people people were going, "That's that's ridiculous." Um, of, of course, people should be taking care of their work life balance, but some people work late into the night because that's just when they work. No one should be dictating. But 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 with that one caveat that um, I love that email some people have that email signature i might be emailing you outside of work hours but you, there's no expectation for you to email me back within these extreme hours sorry hang on i thought everyone knew that i thought that was the inherent nature of email yeah was, for, what for, am i for, supposed to do like you, only send letters on a monday so it you, turns up during the week for you james heathers yeah but for, but for the average student where there's a, a massive power imbalance yeah you get you get email from the head of the institute at, at I 11 didn't do it when i was a fucking student either yeah, but that that's you, mate. How you, many times you're a, have you- You're a massive outlier. Oh, well, thanks very much for calling me massive. I've been quite self-conscious. <laughs> Look, spe- speaking of outliers, um, there was one comment uh, from someone uh, who happened to be Australian in the survey who, who said, I'm actually really happy with my PhD. Am I an outlier? So, I, I just want to- Yeah, that was one of the quotes at the start. I, li- I, like, I like that. I, I want to bring up something that, um, that perhaps- Look, when you're hearing your colleagues and people online saying that their PhDs are bad, having a bad experience, which, which I'm sh- which I'm sure a lot of people are, and that is their experience, you're not no no unless you're a massive dickhead, you're not going to chime in and go, you know what, things are great, I'm doing fine. So I'm, what I'm wondering is well, that- that's also not what you're talking about when someone else is going, well, I'm having a really terrible time. You're the, like it's not the normal human no, you- response to jump in and go, I'm not. It's like someone saying, I bought a Ford Focus. You're like, oh well, I didn't. <laughs> Let me tell you about all the ways I didn't do that. Go fuck yourself. No one talks like that, Dan. Yeah, I know exactly. But I'm saying that a lot of people, very few people on on Twitter or online are actually mentioning that they're actually having having a good time or that they did have good experiences, regardless of the context. It's not necessarily in the context of people who are saying, I'm having a bad time and people jumping in and going, I'm having a good time. But I, I have a feeling that there's a few people who are sort of keeping their experiences a little bit quiet for the fact that they don't want to be that person who who's rubbing it in the face of other people so i think there are possibly more people than we think who had a neutral or a positive experience in their phd and 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 potentially keeping quiet for that fact or do you think you're giving me that skeptical heathers look or that the 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 pondering look what do you what do you reckon you you probably had a good time i I had a i had a neutral time um the thing is that i had a horrible time during my honors my honours year, so I sort of compare well, it to were, that. You were at Club Mac for your honours year. Yeah, but it was it was still it was it was still a, a, a huge amount of work, and it was incredibly oh, stressful. Right. Uh, only because the the honours year is just just condensed in. So for me, during my PhD, all those times were like, oh man, this is this, this there's there's a lot going on. I was just comparing it to my honours year. I'm like, you know what, this is actually a lot better than my honours year. And so comparatively mm. speaking, um, so look, and the thing is, like, I, I enjoyed that the, the intellectual challenge and the the, the, the social aspects and, and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but I, I just have a feeling that there's a lot of people out there um, who uh, who are possibly you know having that neutral time or or, or a good time, but aren't necessarily well, sharing. Well, that. I don't know. I don't know about neutral. It's more the fact that there's 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 strong benefits and drawbacks that exist simultaneously, and you're you're yeah. you're you're putting that into. I, I think it's 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 more. It would it would be more revealing if you asked that question in terms of whether or not it was worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than like, was it a good time? Yeah, I it's mean, a, a weird question to ask. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, everyone, everyone, even anyone who's had a good PhD, no one's ever going, oh yeah, it was like a holiday in Fiji. For no, three no one's years. saying that. And then, uh, uh, other than the people doing, doing field work the in Fiji. Job of my dreams in McFuck's what's his name department. It's just, it's no. I mean, at, at a, a baseline level, there's obviously. The vast majority of people have some form of, if not necessarily overwork, then a shitload of it. I mean, it's pretty difficult to avoid some periods of overwork because there's tasks where you have to do everything yourself. And if you don't do everything yourself, it literally won't happen. So, you're without support. PhD students don't have staff. They're not handing tasks off. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also an element- to which there's no there's there's no out like if it's not if, if certain things aren't completed there's no way to kind of fail upwards out of a PhD there's things that are inherent on you mm. and the vast majority of people have some kind of financial pressure somewhere yeah and 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 that was one yeah. of the big that was, that was one of the big things mentioned in the survey uh, f- f- for most people it's it's the the, the, the crushing financial pressure which um, even people who who are really look I like this program I like my supervisor I like my work it is interesting and fulfilling I am poor as fuck. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is. There's no, there's, there's nothing that prevents those things from going together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, some of it's, some of it's structure, as well. Um, I'm familiar with this from. I, I couldn't believe people uh, didn't know this. I found, only found out that lots of people didn't know this recently. Um, especially in the US, but I think there's. It depends on the rules for uh, Australia. I think there's ways in which this can happen. There's, there's some of the conditions of your PhD, especially if you're on a visa, are. Certainly, this is a condition for a postdoctoral visa. Um, you're not allowed to do other work. Uh, a, lot, a lot of institutes have that. Yeah. You're literally not allowed. So, if you have a shit stipend and you think, oh, no worries, I'll do whatever else, you legally can't. So, you know, how the fuck are you supposed to improve your circumstances? Yeah. A lot of people have side jobs. A lot of people have other shit they're interested in and things that they want to do. But more than that, you have things that are related to your research where people turn up and say, look, here's a a few grand. Uh, Sort this thing out, would you? There's lots of contract work in the world. There's lots of and there's lots of academic associated stuff. These things are knocking round. I mm. wouldn't say they're easy to find, but they certainly exist. Yeah. And then people are walled off from that as a kind of possibility in the first instance. Yeah. That just- always struck me. That always struck me as I mean, if you have a blanket rule about that, you don't even give people the opportunity to like register Register any ability to do all of it at the same time, mm. you know? And that goes for I'm going to pull coffees or cut sandwiches or fucking work behind a daily counter or drive a cab or be a garbo or whatever else, all the way through to the people in the lab down the hall want me to act as an RA on this project with something that's really similar to what I'm doing right now. Yeah. It's all inclusive. <laughs> 
Now, when you get to my level of interaction with the institution, I can take side jobs. One, if the university explicitly approves me taking the side job in the first place. I mean, they have to fill out a form. Mm. That's necessary. Um, they have to tell the government and the work has to be directly related to my PhD program. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. So, the things I get to do are consulting, um, uh, seminars, uh, anything where I think I'm going to like, pick up money or collaborators or something where I'm talking about the work that we do and someone's paying me. Um, so, those are okay. And uh, different, different forms of consulting things. Those are okay. Literally anything else is like they won't be able to get the form filled out. Yeah. Because the university doesn't want to piss off Uncle Sam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they don't get the, the opportunity to make their own decisions. And people are like, oh, PhD students are all still acting like children. I go, well, in this case, you're treating them like fucking children. So, you know, mm. maybe maybe take a step back there, dickhead. James and I often get asked by listeners how they can support the show. And there are two ways you can do that. Firstly, you can join the 100 other patrons who support us financially on Patreon. We've got a $1 tier, which gives you a monthly Everything Hurts newsletter, and a $5 tier, which gives you the newsletter, as well as access to an exclusive mini episode, which is released every month. The second way that you can support the show is by sharing links to each episode on social media, be it Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you're using. We'd love it. Now, let's get back to the show. I want to get to something else before we um, walk walk off the, the, the end of the earth with this one. This is like if there's one thing here that's going to really sort of like, uh, if you're going to make that face, have you experienced discrimination or harassment at a PhD program? 21% yes. And then there's 4% pr- like prefer not to say. I think they prefer not to say because it's fucking yeah. yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to assume that's about a quarter. That's I mean, if you so haven't, if you haven't, why wouldn't you just put no? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, if yes, which of the following have you experienced? And this is obviously a multi-box because it adds up to more than 100%, Right. Gender discrimination, 39%. Racial discrimination or harassment, 33%. Age discrimination, 16. Sexual harassment, 15. Prefer not to say nine. Religious disability, LGBTQ. Uh, That's the end of the list there. But gender discrimination, 39% from a baseline of 20%. I mean, considering the demographics of some STEM subjects, that could conceivably be everyone. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's important to also recognize, like, this was a global survey. This wasn't localized in, in yeah. a particular country. This was everywhere. This was uh, all throughout Asia. Um, and that the rates were high everywhere. Um, even the mm. lowest rates of, of 18% within Australasia, which is uh, Australia and New Zealand and, and, and perhaps other institutions, was- Eighteen percent, like even that, is 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 incredibly high. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that I find really weird about those figures is I can't pull out of this number like general academic shittiness. Yeah, which in a lot of forms, not necessarily gender, racial, age, sexual, etc. General academic shittiness. Getting cut off your own papers, getting bullied, yeah. getting intimidated, 
Um, getting your feet set on fire, maybe not that one. That was a dream I had a while back. Um, the, I mean, that's also that, yeah, like that's 6,300 responses. So, that's lots of fucking people saying yes. Yeah. Now, I don't- my my intuition is that that's easily the most common type. Yep. Um, but if that's a quarter of the sample, so you know, that's fucked. And it, it all seems to come back. And a few of the respondents to the survey were just like, "There's just there's no either there's no way." to report these things and obviously this this differs across institutions and countries um but also even if they did um senior people just hold too much power that no matter what you do um i mean there are so many cases that we see on twitter um where a junior investigator typically a female um calls out a senior investigator typically typically a male for for, for different types of harassment and 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 then the the male's protected and it's just crazy it's it's absolutely nuts and and what kind of message does that send uh to other junior academics who who see this kind of stuff not a fucking good one but there's also look the 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 whole how like how are you going to pursue this in the first place it's it's often the fact that the way of handling this internally, this, the system didn't presuppose it. Like mm. the universities and how they structurally respond to is this possible, how higher education sector in general structurally responds to it is very, very messy and very hit and miss. And when you see the way people, I mean, it's all fine. You can have as many diversity weeks as you want with, uh, and, and, and it's a bit like, look, I'm looking at what you do. And when you see the way universities in the US run Title IX investigations, which are a fucking shit show and have been legendarily unfair to people on both sides of the kind of accusatory boundary, they manage to fuck them up so bad sometimes. You know, and sometimes that behavior is like trends into criminal. Now, that's not the higher education sector responding. That's them trying to filter through federal legislation and understand how that happens. But it's you you think a lot of the time, what would what would this student with that boss do in this situation? Like, what would their recourse be? And my answer to that is I think about that a bit. Like, what would they do in that situation? Because, you know, talking to whistleblowers a lot of the time and thinking about people who are in difficult situations and what would the best way to manage this be? As I think about sort of, I mean, it's, it, yeah, there's some overlap with sort of research misconducty stuff. And when you see the internal mechanics of a research misconduct investigation, you realize just how fucking bullshit internal processes for uh, determining bad behavior are. Mm. And I refuse to believe that everything's fine when it comes to bullying, intimidation, sexual harassment, gender discrimination. I refuse to believe that those things are being well handled yeah. considering that they're fucking up like major research fraud, yeah. <laughs> industrial level sloppiness um, to, to the extent where huge swathes of research that are being produced are unreliable. I mean, I think of the first Cornell investigation of Uncle Brian, mm. Professor Wansink, and the first investigation concluded everything is fine. They ran that. The first, we literally have a rule about this. The first investigation always concludes that everything's okay. Yeah, that's always the way. One more final thing before we both go and die on a Saturday. This isn't 
it isn't all it isn't all terrible. The thing that I found really interesting is about three quarters of students are satisfied with their degree of independence. I that's, that's that surprised that's, me. That's interesting. That's interesting because that's a pretty resounding. That's a pretty resounding endorsement of I, I get to do the work I want. Yeah, I was really surprised by um, that. 67% satisfied with their overall relationship with their PI. <laughs> In an ideal world, that would be higher, but okay, fair enough, two-thirds. Uh, again, better than um, I thought. Y- 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 well, yeah. Look, when it comes when it comes to things like that, I, I think that not being satisfied with that and then complaining about it loudly and vociferously is probably- Overrepresented for the most part, um, but it also I mean it means that there's not a lot of. I, I, I wonder, like, in general, do PIs have time to micromanage anymore? I know, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like is there even the facility within the day to get annoyingly over-involved and tell people <laughs> what to do? Um, I mean, it's possible to have too much independence. There's absolutely nothing in here about that. It's just sticking someone in a room and go, where you go, my son? You'll figure it out, see you in three years. That's obviously like- but I, I think, but I think that, that would be reasonably uncommon. I think that's why a lot of people did actually report that they find their work uh, intellectually stimulating because they're actually able to pursue the sorts of things that they wanted to do. Um, and that mm. is incredibly rewarding. Uh, I, 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 you see these statistics that the, one of the strongest predictors of job satisfaction is this locus of control. Do you actually have control over your day? And the people who mm. have fle- people who have flexible days who can decide this is what I'm doing today generally have uh, they're much happier at work. And I think that's what's being reflected here. So I'm pleasantly surprised um, that a lot of people are actually able to report, um, given all these stories you hear of these, um, and, and it happens, of course. But all, all these stories of PIs who are micromanaging. But like you said, <laughs> who has the time for that? Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if that's the like the basic central mechanic of it is that there's just no you you have to give people the opportunity to figure it out because showing them how stuff works would be yeah a tremendous problem. Um, obviously, cons- considering that the the the, the ratio of uh, PhD students to jobs is pathetic. Um, the reason yeah, that it all still works is because everyone says um, everyone says that their first preference is fifty six percent first preference, and it looks like about seventy five first or second preference has academic job preferences for when they're done. Yeah. Good luck with that, burgeoning PhD students of the world. Um, and you can discount when it comes to things like that. I mean, 11% of people say a medical job is the, the job they're most likely to work in. Let's assume that those people are undergoing medical training rather than someone who's doing a PhD in anthropology saying, ooh, yeah. ooh I want to get a medical job. Um, but And industry is like there's lots of sectors where it's far, far more common to move into an industrial role than it is in others. Yeah, so. Sure. Um, biotech, material science, uh, mining and geoengineering, geology, etc. Uh, people that I've met from those areas, like a lot of them, are getting a PhD because it's a good, it's a good training in something that will allow them to do something else, and they need to know a lot about a specific. Uh, they need to know a lot about a specific topic so they can go and work on a fucking topic somewhere. So yeah, yeah. Um, and the, there's, there's, I, I think there's, inc- I've, I've met in the last few years, especially, and heard about uh, an increasing number of people in uh, biosciences in general who are thinking like that going through their PhD. Like, I don't want to do a fucking academic job. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the, in, in, in a way, having that split up by sector would be much more informative. Yeah. Like, do you, do you want to do that? I mean, do you ever meet people who are doing uh, a PhD where they're utterly uncertain of what they want to do next and you have no advice to, th- that you could p- potentially give them? I'm not saying they're asking for advice, like, but if you searched in your brain for what advice would I give someone who's doing a PhD in English literature or a PhD in some reasonably obscure form of linguistics um, or in languages or history yeah, and you don't know what to say- it's like, oh, I could do, uh, I'm not really sure what comes next. Yeah, Even I would have no it, idea. Neither am I. Neither am I. I just want you to be happy. I just don't know what's immediately suggested. I assume that those things are navigable. I it's mean- just, I, I, it's, it's funny how little you know when you move out of your own wheelhouse with these things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Potentially, I'm sure there's things that people really would, would want to do if they knew what they were. Would be fucked if I know what they are. Let, let, wow. let us let us know, Hertzies, because I, I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of options within the biosciences. Any sort of STEM-ish type PhD, there's a lot of alternatives. But then you, you see people doing yeah. in, in other disciplines. You're like, gee, what do you what do you, what do you do? That that pool's just getting getting smaller and smaller. Well, yeah, I mean. Th- th- I, I always think of that when I see a department, and the department's like the Department of Psychology, Arts, and <laughs> and Business. It's like that's, you, you can get all those people into a building. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's like four of them each. What the fuck's going on? It's uh, yeah, that's a, it, all those sort of uh, yeah. You definitely, definitely post as your best combo play department. Yeah, uh, especially when there's with, there's two there's 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 two kind of academic disciplines, I suppose, that have no crossover whatsoever. Yeah, there's got to be you know? some, there's got to be some good ones out there. Yeah, there's, there's got to be some, like a, a department of mechanical engineering and linguistics somewhere. Oh, yeah, but that kind of oh, maybe it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I'm, I'm, ra- I'm, racking, I'm racking my brain here, man. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, all these linguists are like an invited lecture on microstructures of concrete. Sure. Oh, dear. Let's, I don't know. Let, let, let's wrap it Fuck. up for, for for this episode. And and this episode, we didn't actually announce it at the start, um, but we we did it. We did it. We filmed this on video. We filmed the entire thing, which we're going to post. On there, there he is, zoom, zooming into the camera, giving us the Heather, the Heather's squint. We're gonna post Don't this. Don't say that. That's just my face. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna. It's so we're gonna, horrible about my face. You're always saying I'm making a look. Making a I'm look. I'm not. It's just my head. It's your, it's your, it's your face. We, we're gonna be posting this on the um the Everything Hurts YouTube uh channel, and uh, it's something we're playing around with, uh, playing playing around with. Bit. Oh man, it's late. It's it's, it's approaching eleven o'clock here in Oslo. We're going to be playing around with the idea of a video and hopefully posting some more stuff. Maybe some live stuff as well. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to be back again very soon with um with some more more hurts. Uh, two more episodes to go. Um, in in this decade, headers in this decade. In which Decades you've been don't work like that. In, in which in which you've been collecting your cat's whiskers. Um, and mm. yes, <laughs> that got a lot of play. I'm going to post that. Yeah, with two of- more episodes in this year. Decades don't work like that. Well, we haven't been going for that long. Ah, oh, it's late. No. It's late. Decades don't work like that. It's like 2020 is not the start of a new decade. 2021 is surely the start of a new decade. 
uh, unless unless you're in South Korea, they <laughs> things work differently there. Yeah, um, if kids who were born there, like, yeah, it's weird. You're you're one when you're like, oh, it's it's something it's something reverse. Like you're one when you're born, or like you're not one until you're two. And so I think it's either Japan or South Korea that there's like a year lag. And so kids are like a different age. Then when they move countries, it causes a lot of problems because their past, their identification say different things. Anyway, maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm going to Google this straight away. But uh, wheels are falling off. You should go to bed straight away. I am going to go to bed straight away. Thanks for listening. We will be back again with more Everything Hurts. See you later. Toodles.